0: Welcome back, guys. Week three of Pride. I hope everyone is having a glorious Pride month. We should celebrate all year round, but here we are in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're going to focus on a smaller population of the LGBTQIA plus population, and we're talking about the trans population. So we're going to discuss disclosure, which was put out on Netflix in 2020. It's an hour and 48 minutes long, directed by Sam Fetter. And I think this is really, considering the way the laws have been going lately and just the news cycles and everything, I think it's important that we talk about this. Although the people listening probably aren't the target audience we need, but that's beside the point.
1: (laughs) Right, but it's educational, right? Because this really... Depicts the way trans people have been uh, represented in media. So think movies, think TV shows, and as they're breaking it down for us, boy did I learn some shit, right? So it kind of reminded me of horror noir as they're kind of setting up. There are different tropes that we typically see, and but basically, we are teaching. I mean, the the media people are teaching folks how to feel and how trans lives work, except they're not really representative of trans lives. So it's
0: problematic. It is. I thought it was interesting at one point they discussed that not only is it teaching people how to feel about trans uh, men and women, it's teaching trans men and women how to feel about themselves because they don't really, it's such a tiny, tiny part of the population that you don't see them out very often and you wouldn't know another trans person necessarily. So, right. Cause that's the goal at the
1: end of this, right. Is that they pass as you know, the gender in which they have changed. Right. And mm-hmm. something we discussed in um, Paris is burning too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we had talked about as we start this, we're going to, kind of mention the main players up at the beginning, um, the people that are not narrating, but who are being interviewed for their different opinions so we can discuss the topics a little bit more holistically without jumping back and forth between who said what. So, um, the people that I have initially are Laverne Cox, who is possibly the most well-known trans woman right now. Probably. Um, She played in, yeah, Orange is the New Black. She's made lots of television appearances and things like that. So she's pretty well known. I would say a lot of people would know her face if they saw her. So then there are other trans actresses and there's a historian, which I thought was pretty cool, different writers and directors and stuff like that. So um, we have Bianca Lee, who's an actress and a writer, Jen Richards, who is also an actress and a writer. There's Susan Stryker, who I believe is the historian. Alexandra Billings, who I believe is an actress and an educator. Do you have Yancey Ford?
0: Yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce that. It's Y-A-N-C-E. I didn't either. So yeah, Yancey works. Right. Um, A filmmaker. We have
1: Lily Wachowski. If you've heard of The Matrix, you might know her from from working on that. Um, Also, I would like to make a plug for Jupiter Ascending, which I personally love And she and uh, Lana Wachowski also directed that. And then there's Brian Michael Smith, who's an actor. Do you have anybody else you wanted to call out? That's kind of my first page of notes. Um, We
0: have Teek Milan, who is a media writer, or sorry, media maker and writer. I wrote that incorrectly and had to correct it as well. And still, I screwed it up. Rain Valdez is an actress and producer. I believe she was in Pose. Nick Adams is a glad director of transmedia and representation. Uh, Zeke Smith is a writer. Elliot Fletcher is an actor. Leo Shang is an actor and activist. Let's see. Marquise Filson is an actor. Jasmine, who is an actress. Um, that's another face I'm pretty sure you would see. She's in a lot of different stuff. Um, Tracy Lisette and Michael D. Cohen. Jamie Clayton, who's an actress.
1: Zachary Drucker, artist, producer. There's somebody named Sarah,
0: C E R, but I did not catch that last name. I didn't either. I don't have that written down. MJ Rodriguez is the one that was imposed, my mistake. She's a singer and an actress. There's Angelica Ross that comes in sort of near the end. Candace Kane, who's yeah. fairly famous as a trans actress, yes. <laughs> Chas Bono. I think that's it. I mean, there are more throughout Mm -hmm. that we can pick up on, but for the most part, they're discussing similar topics. They go back and forth a lot. So we didn't want to just kind of be like, oh, Bob said this and Susan said this. And so it's just easier. Right. Yeah. I concur. Let's start
1: it. Shall we? Okay. Let's shall. Okay. Depending on when you might have become aware of just TV in general, right? Some of the people are closer to my age, so they mention some of the first images of a transgender person that they remember from TV would have been Geraldine from The Flip Show, and this is around early 70s time frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So while I think there's a lot of mixed feelings, like it's great to see trans representation. However, it's usually done at least at this, at this perspective in a humorous way. So this is something to laugh at. Yes. And that's it. That's all people had.
0: Right. They talk about, so there's an episode of the Jeffersons where Edie Stokes, who had been Eddie was George's like good friend And comes Mm -hmm. back, let's say they were high school friends. I I don't know. But let's say he comes back and he's like, oh, look, I'm eating now. And George is like, what? And this is a beautiful woman. She is elegant. She is black. She is representing trans women well. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, George is uncomfortable enough that he hires a man to dress as a woman. So his wife doesn't think he's cheating on her. So this is not a trans person. This is not a trans woman. This is just some rando who looks like a man in a wig. And then it becomes a joke, right? So they took something that was a good representation and kind of screwed it up in the end, which is unfortunate.
1: Right. Because this is really all about how men feel about trans women and how they are attracted to trans women, but they don't really want to be attracted to trans women, which is super
0: problematic. It's very problematic. And someone at the very beginning made a very good point. They said the paradox of trans representation is that the more that we are seen, the more we are violated. And so it's not necessarily just a matter of being represented more as much as how they're represented. So that's what they're discussing in this documentary more than just being represented is how can we we be represented? Which again, you're right, we discussed in Horror Noir as well. Horror Noir. Yeah.
1: So kind of with those representations, all of the trans people carry a history of what has been meaningful in representation to them, right? So what they're finding kind of what they're carrying with them about who they are and how they see themselves, how they're going to be treated. And I think that that is really not inspiring and maybe inspiring in some cases, hopefully that you have a little bit of a mix, but I think it really scared people about how they would be accepted or wouldn't be accepted at all. Um, Because a lot of people didn't know other trans people we're talking about. I know you mentioned a very small number of people in the population. And we're talking along the scale of 0.01%.
0: I mean, did you get an actual good number on that? Yeah. I did not. It's, it's less than a 10th of a percent of the population. I'm pretty sure it's a tiny, tiny amount, but they recently have made it such a big deal. Like these numbers are overwhelmingly large. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Why are we focusing on this tiny, tiny subset of people?
1: I think recently in Indiana, this has been something we've discussed, not us personally, but as a collective, um, because some of the anti-trans laws kind of specifically point out this is about 300,000 kids, like these are people under 18 here in our fair state. So, you know, based on, I wish I had a better number, um, but it it kind of says that's not a lot of people. (laughs) It's just not that many people.
0: That's such a tiny population.
1: Right. So it makes sense to me when I think about it in those terms that a trans person would not necessarily know another trans person in real life. So the only gauge they have by anything is what they see on Mm -hmm. TV. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if we think way back, they talk about when cinema first started, trans people were there, non-binary people were there. Unfortunately, they weren't necessarily portrayed well, but then neither was anyone but a white man. But also if we think further back, think about acting. Women weren't allowed to do those things. They weren't allowed to act on stage. And so men played those parts as women. They played all the parts. So cross-dressing was normal because they had to, to play. That's part of their job, right? So they got paid to cross-dress. How's that different than a drag queen, really? Sure. Um, And that's... I mean,
1: I know specifically about that from like Shakespearean times. Right. And it's morphed over time, slowly, slowly, slowly getting better. Mm -hmm. But even when uh, the moving picture came to be, there were Mm -hmm. initial images of a transgender person, a non-binary person. And those stories are also told as these people are a joke. They're a foil. They're just not well uh, they're not set forth in a, like you're not supposed to feel empathy for these people. Yeah. It's just, it's not a good representation. Right. I like that they get right into D.W. Griffith. Mm-hmm. So they talk initially about Judith of Bethulia. God, I probably butchered that. So she's a good Jewish woman. She's pretending to be a concubine of invading army's general and she's the hero of the day because she cuts off his head and wins about the time that she cuts off his head is when the transgender character enters the picture and so there's a lot of thought that because she cut off his head and the transgender person could be like a eunuch or something like that what we would know from history that those two things are tied together it felt like a bit of a reach for me but I'm not a film scholar right, right so sure i guess <laughs> but then they start with um dw griffith may be better known for his birth of a nation birth of a nation which is extremely problematic in oh, a number racist of ways.
0: fuck yes jesus christ this guy mm-hmm. so i don't want to give him credit for putting a non-binary person in a role because it was not a positive role anyway and he was a racist dick so let's just not think about him if we don't have to. Absolutely.
1: But sort of, this is the the time when the trans character becomes jokey, right? Like that's the introduction of the jokey character uh, as far as film is potentially going. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's interesting because they kind of talk about the fact that the history of trans in film is very much mixed up with the history of racism as well. So like we said in Horror Noir, you see this these tropes, and these are the same for trans, right? So they say the idea is that historically Black men were portrayed as uber-masculine, predatory, right? Especially towards white women. We, we couldn't possibly. So dressing a Black man up in a in a dress as a female made them safe, right? So that has become a comedy trope for Black comedians almost. I don't think I'm explaining it well, but it was interesting to watch them discuss how putting a a black man in a dress made them safe. And so that was something that black comedians felt like they had to play drag for at least one role. So they would be able to breach the white population as a comedian. Is that what you got? Absolutely. There are lots
1: of examples of this. They specifically reference a movie called white famous in 2017 and then they show all of these clips of specifically Jamie Foxx <laughs> dressed up as a woman. Like, I I'm think like, oh, he just oh. likes
0: wearing a dress. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're talking about Medea, right? We're talking about Martin Lawrence had a couple roles where he was dressed up as an old lady, an old black lady. Big so, Mama, yep. Yeah. So, it's a way of emasculating black men, which is a big theme in our country still today and yeah it's um it's it's really quite horrifying because the the real life implication of this is if you are early in your transition as a black trans woman you may be ridiculed you may be laughed at and i'm not saying that doesn't happen to everybody but i think specifically that's a really hard place to be
0: Yeah. Laverne had talked about that a little bit when she was early in her transition that just walking onto the subway, they would laugh. Like she was there purely for their Mm -hmm. entertainment. And there's
1: all kinds of different examples of this. Married with Children. Um, There's a movie called Mixed Nuts, which I'm not familiar with. Mrs. Doubtfire, Bosom Buddies, Tootsie. Mm -hmm. Um, Not Mm -hmm. necessarily with the, you know, these are In this line, white comedians dressing up like women, and they kind of reference, like, they're doing this to get jobs or affordable housing or being able to keep their kids, which are oftentimes obstacles for trans people. So they're kind of making fun of the whole life of a trans person. And I actually thought it was kind of funny because I'm like, when are women getting jobs
0: over men? But, you know, hopefully Thank you. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they had, they had discussed that a lot of it is anti-feminine as well. Like it's just portraying women poorly. It's portraying trans women poorly. It's portraying, it, it doesn't help anybody. Right. I mean, if you're out to get a laugh mm-hmm. in that day and age, this is what you had to do, I guess, but hopefully mm-hmm. we've moved past that a little bit. I don't know. I haven't thought about it much in a while, and to be honest, I didn't think about some of these things until I saw this movie either, that these were problematic, yes. right? Yes. And so it takes... Well, they're not written for...
1: Yeah. Right. They're not written, so you notice that. Like, you know what I mean? We're, we right. were taught that this is
0: okay. <laughs> right. And that's so it takes yeah. seeing something like this and talking about it and being like, oh, that's not okay for these reasons. And being able to look back and say, I should probably do better. So, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yes, a hundred percent.
1: We also have another trope of <laughs> violent <laughs> trans <sighs> people, especially trans women, and specifically we're talking about initially a movie called *Dressed to Kill*, which I've not seen.
0: I. It's been
1: decades. Yeah. Right. So I'm specifically going to mention Bianca. And she's talking about growing up in the 60s. She doesn't even have the words for being trans. But she said she always identified with the heroine, right, instead of the hero of a story. And she craved glamour. So when Angie Dickinson came on the screen in Dress to Kill and she's just looking so chic in, you know, cashmere and um, cream colors in a, in a way that I will never be able to pull off. <laughs> Oh, my God. And I also admire that, right? Right. So they also mention that part of the story is she's unsatisfied in her marriage. Um, She's at an art gallery looking uh, stunning. She picks up a dude. They're going to go get it on somewhere. And she ends up getting killed in an elevator by Michael Caine in drag. And, of course, here we start to see... That we should fear trans women because they're violent, they're killers, they're whatever. I also would like to make a plug for discussing uh, Angie Dickinson's characters misbehaving. She's stepping out on her husband.
0: Which is why she. And got we've killed. also talked
1: about that trope for you know divorced women, uh, women who aren't adhering to the social norms are putting themselves in danger. Um, so we have a nice
0: twofer going on there. Well, let's just think of most horror, even, even regular hetero horror. horror. Think Friday the 13th, those teenage kids, the minute they go to get it on, they get killed. So it's don't do anything that your grandma wouldn't be proud of, or you're going to get killed is what it comes down to. Right.
1: Yeah. Which I think was one of the things, this is a total aside, but which I loved about Scream because they were like, look, there are things in horror movies you must adhere to if you're (laughs) going to make it out. And the other, (laughs) yes.
0: I love that part. There are rules, but we start this trope. I think they—I am sure it starts before that. But the first one they talk about was actually so they talk about Alfred Hitchcock seemed obsessed with gender bending, right? So think of Psycho, where Norman Bates dressed up as his mom to kill people, kill women mostly. But yeah, yeah. And there are several movies where he has a essentially trans woman killing people. Yeah. What is wrong with Alfred? We can only postulate
1: at this point as he's already deceased. Yeah. Hmm. It's not good. He terrorized
0: Tippy Hedron on birds. He was not a good person.
1: That's such a weird premise, but... Yeah. I think one of the big ones that, that resonated with me is Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Which my name for today's taping is, I regret loving Silence of the Lambs. So...
0: It's hard, right? Be- because even Bianca said, it's a great film and it's a great book. But the portrayal of this character as being trans and killing women to make his lady suit, for lack of a better word, yeah. it is problematic. It, it continues that trope of of danger. Yeah. Right.
1: So um, they did kind of... Throw a little in there for Clarice Starling, who mentions that, you know, most transsexuals are passive. They are not violent, but we learn throughout the movie that that classification isn't necessarily correct. So anyway, yeah, it sucks that Buffalo Bill reinforces all the stereotypes that have already existed at this
0: point. And Jen Richards actually had discussed that when she started her transition... She decided to confide in one of her co workers that this is what she was doing. A very smart woman, a very well educated woman, seemed worldly. And her first statement was, Do you mean like Buffalo Bill? Because that was her only point of reference for a trans person. And how horrifying.
1: Yeah, because basically you're coming out and and telling somebody you're confiding, you're being very vulnerable, and they're throwing in your face, you know unintentionally or not so you're the bad guy
0: she did say this person has now grown and is horrified by what she said i mean she's educated herself knows more trans people now so that's good people grow people can change but let's Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. just just for five seconds before we say something just for a second
1: well i think this might be a really good time to talk about one of the glad studies reveals that 80% of Americans don't know someone personally that's trans. So their only reference, again, is the media. So if you have nothing to balance that, you're going to make assumptions about this group of people in which you know nothing. So I think the example that you pointed out is really applicable
0: there. Right. And I wonder how many... It is a tiny population, so the majority of people probably do Mm -hmm. not know someone who's trans. But there are so many trans people who are passing. It's the realism of it, right? As we've discussed, Mm -hmm. that was part of the goal was to be real as the man or the woman Mm -hmm. you were trying to be so you would pass. It's survival. And it's just recently where trans people felt more comfortable, and even probably now a lot of them don't. And I don't blame them, considering that they feel comfortable saying they're trans and not just, oh, I'm a woman or I'm a man or whatever.
1: Well, there is there is a bit of this documentary that discusses, it's not for them to tell you, it's none of your goddamn business. Right. You know? So, I mean, for them not to be, like, broadcasting it everywhere so you are more comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, like, just a character in your story, they are their own whole person. Right. Right. It's just such a weird thing to be like, well, they didn't tell it. We didn't know they were trans and you're like, "Yes. That's the point." So. Yes. Yeah, but that's up to that person to decide, not up to everybody else and their comfort. It's just such a weird thing to like flip that on its head.
0: But that's how it's been presented, right? They discuss a lot of times the violence is always in in media is about the betrayal, specifically the man feeling mm-hmm. betrayed by trans women. They're delicate, those men.
1: Because they were, and it's basically the man is attracted to this woman and she's duped him because he didn't understand that she might not be exactly what he thought she was. And instead of seeing her as a whole human being, mm-hmm. you know, he reacts with violence and disbelief. Because, I mean, what would his friends think?
0: Yeah. And it it portrays that there's something wrong, that there's something secretive, there's something that they should be telling. And like you said, that's that's none of your business. If we've been in in a relationship for a while, that's one thing. I mean, yeah, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, that's up to you how comfortable you feel sharing that, right? That's different. But if we've just Mm -hmm. met and we're just hanging out, that's none of your business, I don't have to tell you anything about myself. That's not your right to know. Yes.
1: It, it's so difficult to think about this as that's not something that I have had to deal with. You know, that's not ever been something that I have had to decide whether or not to tell somebody. Because I think that they're also caught in like, if I don't tell you, you're going to be pissed. But if I do tell you, I feel like I have to sell out a little bit and, you know, you know, I'll be rejected, but you don't even know me. And so I, I can't even
0: imagine. Oh, I can't either. And the terror, the terror you must feel, not just in the rejection, but the fact that trans women have so much violence against them already. I mean, it's terrifying.
1: Right. And that it comes through in all of the media. I mean, all of it. Mm -hmm. now something we have not discussed is trans men
0: right they're not represented nearly as much because they're not Mm -hmm. as easily commodified right yeah and i also think it's
1: possible that they are harder to identify right
0: Mm -hmm. potentially right as ladies we wear pants and it's a non-issue but a man wears a dress and dear god the whole world's going to collapse
1: Well, to be a woman is to be less than. So why would a man choose to be a woman? I mean, it just boggles the mind, right? I think that's sort of
0: part of the theory. Like, to be effeminate is less than. Well, but that is one of the things, that's one of the points I use to, to prove that it's not a choice. Why would you choose? You're giving up your first class citizenship to become a second class citizen. You know, it's not a choice this is who you are right so whenever people are like well it's a choice I'm like why why would that be why would someone go through all of that just because on a whim because they're bored that's not a thing yeah well they want attention and I'm like
1: mm. so the worst possible attention ever they were yes. putting themselves in danger sounds right sounds mm. smart right so mm-hmm. I don't know it's we just live in the most backwards place <laughs> we, we it's really so do sad
0: But I don't know about you guys. I watched The L Word. Did you watch it? I've seen it a few times, but I wasn't invested. Some friends of mine in college and myself, we would go and watch it on the weekend. Like, have like a a hangout where we would make popcorn or whatever, have drinks and watch The L Word catch up. So it was a lot of fun. But Max was really the first reoccurring trans-masculine character. Um, I remember max i remember his character and i remember not liking his character at all
1: well that's good to have that first world experience kind of at the time up now i remember the l word came out and it was a bit sensational because it was a show about lesbians shocking i don't know
0: (laughs) how dare they exist without men exactly so what's interesting about max's character is max starts out as just a kind of a butch lesbian for lack of a better term. And then he decides to transition. He wants to transition and become a male. So they put this, they write this into it and he starts testosterone and this testosterone makes him like fucking crazy, like aggressive and angry. And I mean, if he doesn't work out all the time, he's just going to rip someone's head off type of behavior. And that was really presenting it poorly. You know, a couple of the people that spoke here, I think Elliot and Brian were a couple who are like, yeah, you would get a little more frustrated, maybe a little easier, but this wasn't really helping us to see this and to have that portrayed about us.
1: But I think that helps reinforce the stereotype that anybody on testosterone is extremely aggressive. And they can't control it. Right. I think that idea that being on hormones is harmful, either physically or in behavior, is still with us. I mean, we're still hearing that with, um, you know, some of the anti-trans legislation that's going on now, is that it is harming people, and, like, the medical community is like, "What? what are you talking about? This is, like, safe. Yeah. So...
0: It's okay yeah. for a man to take testosterone if they don't feel manly enough, but God forbid a trans person wants to take testosterone to feel more masculine. That we cannot have. That's unacceptable. 100%. It makes no sense. Yeah. Viagra is gender-affirming care, just in case you guys don't know, by the <laughs> way. so And covered by insurance. So yes. fuck off, everyone. <laughs> everyone fuck off. So Jen makes a good comment. She says... There is a solution to poor representation of trans people, and that is having a lot more representation of trans people in media. Because if you have a spectrum of people represented, if you screw up every now and then, that's not all you're seeing. You can kind of push it aside and say, well, that's just one person, not this is all trans people.
1: Right. It's diluted, right? Which I love to put a little sciencey term in there on you.
0: I have that written in there too. It just makes me feel better. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) god the training runs deep yeah (laughs) so a couple other movies we discuss um one is soap dish and if you guys have not seen it at the end there's a big reveal that this nurse is a trans woman and had been a man in her previous life and rain talks about watching this with her family and how no one really said anything but the next day, they started trying to get her to wear more masculine clothes again. Like, she was seven or eight at the time. And this just mm-hmm. reinforced if you went this direction, you would be the bad guy. Right. That's heartbreaking. At seven or eight, you just, you're just a little tiny person. Ugh. Oh, that's so hard.
1: Right. I just, again, I can't imagine, like, the implication and the impact that these things have had on people... Once it's pointed out to me, I'm like, oh no! I liked some of these things before. This. I know. I mean, as a younger person, and now there are a couple of things later that I'll be like, oh no! I, you know. Ugh.
0: Anyway, yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of things that I loved, Yentl, loved Yentl. Yes. Fucking love Babs. Right on. And Victor Victoria. I grew up with Julie Andrews. I grew up watching Victor Victoria, and then seeing mm-hmm. it. Now, from their perspective, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe those weren't the best moves.
1: And I think that they were also really conflicted because they were like, we loved seeing representation. Was it somewhat problematic? That it was. Yeah. But they were still excited to see something that lined up a little bit, somewhat, with yeah. their
0: experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can we also discuss it? So, Victor Victoria is a woman playing a man playing a woman. If you can follow that. And so it's supposed to be Julie Andrews decides to act like a man who's playing a woman. And so at the end of this show, he, in theory, takes off this headdress and they're like, oh my God, it's a man because they thought it was a woman. And the only thing that makes her look like a man is a shorter haircut because she's extremely feminine looking. There's nothing masculine about her. And I thought, is that like Superman putting glasses on and you can't recognize him? Is this the level of disguise <laughs> we're going for?
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's what we talked about. Um, oh my god, what was the one? My old school when the mm-hmm. guy like curled his hair <laughs> and nobody could tell. At a like,
0: <laughs> couple rollers. That's all you need.
1: <laughs> oh my god, so funny! I thought the same thing. I was like, so the only thing we're talking about here is a pixie haircut. That's it. Maybe a binder. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's it. Maybe. Good Lord. Ugh. Yeah, because a couple of them talk about how they love these movies. They watched them over and over again. And it's not until you're older that you realize maybe that wasn't the best representation. But it was some representation, right?
1: Right. And we all have a need to see ourselves reflected back to us. And we've talked about that several times in um, Midnight Movies, in Mm -hmm. Horror Noir, You know, like you get excited when you see, oh, like that's my story partially.
0: Well, look at the way the little brown girls have reacted to seeing the Little Mermaid preview. I cry every time I see those little brown girls get so excited to see her look like them because I've seen myself. Mm -hmm my entire life i've seen myself represented so i don't understand until i see that and it makes me cry happy tears and i watch every single one of those videos that you guys put up i'm just saying that's so sweet yeah yeah just one of the guys is another one of those movies that was out in the 80s that i fucking loved and watched a million times i did too i did too right but they they have a good point that when you get to the end so this movie is about a girl who's like super hot apparently. It's hard to see that now cuz the hair and everything in the 80s, but sh- her article didn't get picked for the high school news contest or whatever. And she thought it was only because she was a woman that it didn't get chosen. So her fix was to dress like a man, take on like her brother's name or something and go to a different school, join that paper, turn in an article and then she would definitely win, right? Mhm. Yeah. During this, she obviously falls in love with the guy. And I like how they point out in all of these movies, the only way to tell someone that you're a woman is to show them your tits. Not talk to them like a human being, like Yentl or Invicta Victoria, all of these. It's like, oh, look, I have tits. Yeah, that seems like an extreme move. You're right. Right. Because the men are like, do you just
1: mean you're gay? And the women are like, No. No, it's not what I mean. I mean, I'm a woman. I'm a woman dressing as a man to get by some kind of problem that faces women. And then I found you. And now the only way is to show you them titties. Yeah, it's the 80s. I mean, tits were everywhere in the 80s. Right, 100%. It also reinforces to somebody who's transmasculine, that you're only playing a role until you fall in love and then you have to become a girl again to get your dude.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. None of these people were actually trans. Like you said, they were playing a part to, it was a means to an end. Right. And then they could go back to Mm -hmm. living their life as a man or woman or whatever. So that's not the real trans experience. Right. So it's, it's representation, but on a very skewed perspective.
1: Right. And there were some things that were good about, um, just one of the guys, because like there's a moment where there's a choice about what bathroom to go in. And those are real life things that trans people yes. have to deal with, which seems yes. so foreign to me
0: as a boring you know. cis white lady, you know, I can't imagine of all yeah. the things having to go to the bathroom should not be stressful. Just let's not make this stressful for people. Let people go to the fucking bathroom. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I hate people.
1: It's very difficult to think about it in this way, right? So Mm -hmm. I say now we move into the best, which is talk shows.
0: Yes. Oh, so painful at the same time.
1: And I think, I don't know about you, I had a phase. There was a phase where these were, like, extremely sensational, probably the
0: precursor to a reality TV, would you say? Yes. Think Uh, Well, Jerry Springer, every episode, may he rest in peace. And really the one that comes to mind the most is when the skinheads punch Geraldo Rivera. I've never been so happy in my entire life. I don't know who I want to win in that competition, but damn, that was fun to watch.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's people on screen, typically on Springer acting so horribly. I would say the same thing on Maury with the... uh, you are not the father. I mean, it's just so dramatic. It's just it's like a train wreck. You can't look away from it. So that's sort of the premise of these. They're going for the most outrageous topics. Mm -hmm. So that's how we get looped in on what in particular they talked about on Springer. uh, There's a character. It's a character. There's a person. Sorry, movie switchover um, named Reno. And he is on a show called My Boyfriend is a Girl. So he mm-hmm. is revealing to his girl, his girlfriend, on a stage, on a TV show, that he is actually trans. Right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They talk about, this is powerful to see a trans man, also a black man, on TV, because those things just, up till this point, have not been represented at all. No.
0: He represented himself So well, it wasn't like the trashy shit talk and whatever you used to seeing Springer on Reno was so well spoken and carried himself so well that I feel like he was just a really good representation for trans men. Um, I'm not a trans man, so I can't really speak for them, but I thought he Mm -hmm. did an amazing job. Right. So Marquise
1: in particular talks about being a high school kid at this time, and I think he had a common Experience where he was couch surfing. He was not. I mean, it implies maybe he was kicked out of his house. I don't know. That is a common thing, I think, for you know kids who are gay or non-binary or trans. Um, they don't have a great experience coming out to their families. Um, and he said it was really empowering to see somebody on screen that he felt really aligned with his self identity. Like they weren't super outrageous. It was like. A real human
0: being. Right. That looked like him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's really unfortunate because the girlfriend in this scenario immediately devolves into, are you an it? Are you, you know, like, and it's just like, ah, damn it. This is actually somebody you cared about now. Also, I don't recommend maybe have this conversation privately. (laughs) I don't know. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I can't speak about that, about people going on talk shows. I don't understand it. I never will, but neither does Lewis, apparently. So, but let's talk about that just in general seems to be the case with talk shows. It's more of a, I mean, they, they're taking advantage of them. They're making it a spectacle. It's not an educational mm-hmm. thing. Uh, rarely it is it an educational thing, I should say. Mm-hmm. I think the Reno
1: episode was minority right this is mostly trans women that are going on these shows and having to endure some really fucking stupid audience questions from people that are mad or whatever yes asking them about their different bits and i'm like how fucking rude
0: yes they i mean they show clips of like oprah even saying that and i'm like oh oprah but at the end they do show an interview where she just she talked to a trans woman later and did not so it's it shows you people can grow, right? But let's use this as a learning experience now. There's Carmen Carrera was being interviewed on Katie Couric, was specifically one that was hard to watch. Um, So Katie asked her about her genitals. Katie, do better, ma'am. But Carmen handled it extremely well. She's like, listen, I don't want to talk about that. That's very personal. Also, that's not who I am. Let's talk about the cool things that I do. I do modeling. I do acting, all these things coming up. She said, I want to let people know that after transition, there's still life. Because people tend to focus on the surgery and only the surgery and nothing else. Like they're not entire humans. Laverne came on right after, sat next to Carmen and was like, girl, you did. That was an amazing response. But she also said, surgery is not who we are. That you're just making us an object at this point. And So they handled it well, and then later Katie decided to have another episode where she brought LeBron on, and she used it as a teachable experience. Not just for herself, but for others. Like, what are the discussions we should be having? Because clearly this isn't, that wasn't it. So, at least she learned. Right. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit
1: in my notes, since we're kind of already talking about this. It seems that The surgery and the transition itself had become the main focus in any conversation with trans people since 1952. And there is a uh, GI that goes to Switzerland and comes back and is now known as Christine Jorgensen, who is a stunning trans woman at a time when there were literally no trans women. I mean, like in the media, let's say they were always in existence, but yeah no representation so this is basically america's first intro to a successful trans woman and i think it really fucked with people because she was stunning
0: yeah i, I more than anything I think it fucked with men because they would like to think that they could tell if someone was trans or not so you know they could protect themselves is what they're thinking of and course so that's when you start to yeah. see the anger of i should not be attracted to this person you should not be attractive to me not the other way around. Sorry. That's particularly it. You should not be attractive to me. That's your fault. Not mine.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. A hundred percent. And that's kind of where you get that, that disclosure question in the beginning. So why is it a trans person's job to tell you? So you're more comfortable. It's fucking amazing. Did you want to? Yeah. Move on to something else.
0: Well, no, I was going to say, I mean, she had an, I mean, she did a lot of interviews. She was the first one to become famous for being trans, as it were. But she was, again, very well spoken. And when they ask her conversation about the surgery, she's like, that's just the end. That's, you go through so much before that. You go through therapy. You go through hormones. You go through so much to transition. That's just Mm -hmm. the very end bit. That has nothing, to very little to do with it, right? So- Why is that what people are focusing on? So she was a very good spokesperson. I think she was able to Mm -hmm. um, handle the questions well. So now we've
1: been dealing with that as a society for 70 years. If it started in the 1950s and we are Mm -hmm. still today when they talk about anti-trans legislation, they go straight to surgery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Guess what, guys? There are no doctors doing surgery on children. (laughs) It's just not a fucking thing. So stop it. Just fucking stop it.
1: So, and this has probably come from all of these awkward ass interviews with Oprah, with Sally, Jesse Raphael, with Phil Donahue, with Maury, with Gary Collins, uh, which was really interesting to see that footage because he was like, well, as a man. I think you guys are all stunning. And I just wouldn't even know that you were, Mm. men and they're like we're not men <laughs> like it's just like you have yes. to keep coming back to this these are
0: women yep listen they're gonna get treated just as shitty as i do so they're fucking women i mean welcome to the club ladies
1: <laughs> and it's these bizarre asked questions i specifically wanted to call out there's an arsenio hall episode with lady named caroline cossey and she is a stripper from the context of this episode, this is happening in the nineties. And Arsenio wants to know, how did you keep people from knowing you had a penis as a stripper? And she basically has to say she tucked it, her penis. And they like graphically describe where it went.
0: Yeah. She handled it well, but he had to make sure everybody know that he had a penis. That was too large to talk. There was just no way he could talk. It It was much too large. Hmm. Right. It's like mm. a baby's arm holding an apple.
1: I'm um, just like, <laughs> God damn it. Just <laughs> shut up. Shut up. You know what I mean? And yes. she was unflappable. She rolled with it. Um, she had grace throughout. And like, I don't know. Like I said, the portrayal she had was, she came off so much better than he did. Cause he just looked like an idiot, uh, which is probably not too far away from the truth.
0: Yeah. Well, and unfortunately what we tend to see on screen tends to be either the dead trans woman because a man killed her couldn't handle it and killed her mm-hmm. or a sex worker those are really the only two options it seems for actresses trans women actresses to play these parts that those are the parts they're given all the time or s- straight women playing trans women or I guess, cis, not straight, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They talk about, there are a couple of them, like, I can't tell you how many times I died on TV. Right. And it's
1: these outrageous fucking stories, right? So um, if we can talk about the one that Candace Kane did, she said that her first big role, she was playing a trans stage performer on CSI. She's of course the victim because that's just how we know her or trans women at this time. So her death in this is she is drowned in a public toilet. Mm -hmm. And so as they are, her body's been discovered, they call the CSI, they come in and they remove her and they're talking about like, Oh my God, look at the size of her giant man hands and her giant man feet. And she's laying there (laughs) and she's like, this is fucking stupid. Like in her brain, like she's very professional. But um yeah that is much more really... professional than I would be. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see the outtakes where she's like, you know, I don't know what she'd do uh, in that case, but yeah. this is how it was written. Yeah. And so I think the best thing to do is kind of talk about that story line is the one they accepted. They wrote it. I assume it was edited. Somebody decided, yes, this is a great idea. We're going to finance this and we're going to direct it. And it made it all the way that a grown ass human being was drowned in a public toilet. Like how disrespectful Mm -hmm. and stupid is that? Mm -hmm. But that's what they had. You know, if you wanted to be an actor, you had to accept these
0: dumb ass roles. Nick Mm -hmm. said that Glad took... A look at 134 episodes of TV with trans characters as guest characters. And the most common characters for those shows were sex worker. And it's unfortunate because they also discuss that many trans women do get forced into sex work to survive because the unemployment rate for trans women is three times the national rate, four times if you're black, but without any other context, it looks like that's just what trans women do. And I understand that comment and I appreciate that comment, but I also want to add, why aren't we talking about the men who want to hire trans women for (laughs) sex and then get pissed at the trans women because they're attracted to them, right? The fact that there's a market for that, as it were, is part of the problem. But we don't talk about that, just the poor women who have to do it. Right. I mean, we've long talked about
1: how dare you be a woman in existence and tempt me with your feminine wiles
0: hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could be getting Russian secrets for all I know.
1: Yeah. And how this shows up in TV or movies is that the trans woman, more likely than not, is the homicide victim or in a weird twist that I hadn't noticed. They show up in all of these hospital dramas and so their hormones are killing them. And that's not real.
0: Right. Uh it is pretty impressive. I had never thought about it because I don't watch a lot of those shows, but they have a lot of clips back to back. One of the actresses was like, I got booked for two shows almost at the same exact time with almost the same exact plot line. I have
1: that as Alexandra Gray. She's the one who said that she'd been playing prostitutes her whole <laughs> career.
0: Yeah. Right? And when we do have a movie about actual gay and lesbian and trans people like the film Stonewall from twenty fifteen. They just whitewash the whole thing and have like preppy gay men representing the people who would have been like the queens and and right, the amazing colorful people that were there in reality. And they're just like, no, we're just going to put boring people in and make them gay. Yeah. A white man started Stonewall. Absolutely (laughs) not. (laughs) White men don't have the balls for that. Sorry. Gay white men, most of them straight white men, but still, come on.
1: Yeah. And you have... You know, amazing people, Uh, they mentioned specifically Sylvia Riviera, Marsha P. Johnson, and there were other femmes and street queens that were the people who should have been credited with this event.
0: So, what a fucking miss there. Some that they got somewhat right. Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank. She won, I think, an Oscar for this role, which is somewhat frustrating, I'm sure, for a trans man to see a straight, you know, cishet woman playing a trans man get an Oscar. You see this a lot where straight, white, cishet men play trans women and they get Oscars almost every time, I feel like. And the same in this role. And so I'm sure it's frustrating as fuck to watch. But anyway, it's interesting to watch and it's interesting to see the trans men talk about it because they're like it's good to see this representation but it's terrifying as well because in the end if you haven't seen it it's been what 20 plus years he gets killed at the end and so it is terrifying because that's a real problem that's a real issue and so you see yourself portrayed there and then at the end you see this happening and you're like oh fuck right is that gonna happen to me um they also Mentioned that
1: this is based on a true story, which I've never heard. I'm interested. There's a evidently a good documentary that talks about it. So I might have to go check that out. Part of the problem with this is in the actual story, there was a black man also that was murdered here in this event, but he's been erased from the movie, which is a real message to other black men in this instance.
0: Yeah. Not only was he wasn't just the plucky sidekick. he actually was an ally and a friend and got murdered at the same time so yes integral to the story and unfortunately you're right got written out of it so they can only handle so much in one movie right i mean we're already talking trans you want to put black and trans in one movie we can't have all that right and i think
1: it's interesting because then we talk about some other big motion pictures where a trans character is brought in to further the development of a white character, a white man, more likely than not,
0: I think. Straight white man, usually, yeah. Yeah,
1: and as good as Dallas Buyers Club was, I didn't think about it until they had mentioned that Jared Leto plays Rayon, who is a trans woman, and... Is an amazing character but is only there to like help matthew mcconaughey figure it out and then he goes on to be like a revolutionary and like awesome and then the rayon character just goes straight down the toilet and then dies at the end so it's like drama and all that kind of stuff but it's a poor portrayal even though um, a poor outcome for the trans character even though several people said that she was portrayed with empathy and, you know, humanity in, you know, part of the movie.
0: Yeah. I I just often wonder, I mean, the story is good enough on its own. There was no need to add that character. The character is, is nice to see representation, but again, it wasn't done very well. You're adding them to the extent that they're just propping up this other character. So it's, it's difficult, right? And it doesn't have an effect on my life one way or the other. I'm, I'm removed from it enough, but it's just unfortunate to see. And I don't know which one would be better not to see it at all or to see it done poorly. I'm not sure.
1: Well, let me say that uh, Jared Leto won an Oscar for his portrayal. (laughs) And when he accepted it, he had long dude hair and a big fat beard. So no one would, you know, mistakenly understand that he was
0: actually a trans woman.
1: And we see that over and over again.
0: Right. Right. They talk about in Dog Day Afternoon, the trans character was played by a man, Chris Randon, And they had asked a trans woman to play the part, but they said she looked too much like a real woman. Mm-hmm. When in reality, because this is also based on a true story, the trans woman they were talking to was a very beautiful woman. She didn't look like a man with a beard who just put a wig on. <laughs> She looked like a woman. So the fact that they needed to make sure that you understood this was a man with a wig, so to speak, versus being a trans woman was somewhat upsetting. And I didn't know that that was based on a true story either until this.
1: Yeah, they say that the Danish girl was another one where that kind of happened. So it reinforces this whole thing of I'm a man tapping into my feminine side. I'm going to look the part. And then I'm gonna revert to being a man because that's what being a trans woman's all about. It's just a character you play for part of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think what we need to talk about next is the Crying Game, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm oh. uncomfortable. So this came out in 1992, and the whole premise of this is there's a straight man that falls for an incredible, beautiful woman and the first time they're going to get it on you find out that she has a penis basically right Mm -hmm. so um which has full frontal in it which
0: kind of makes me laugh because it's such a shock to see it i mean not since uh oh my god what was that horror movie summer camp summer something i don't remember
1: but i mean we've talked many times before about how stupid and repressed we are (laughs) And we won't show the penis because, as you and I have discussed, it's just too powerful and people can't
0: handle it. Yeah, but if it's on a trans woman, then it's just making them look bad, so it's okay. But if it were a man, they couldn't show the penis. They could not show the penis. So
1: anyway, I think the, the biggest takeaway from this movie and the impact it's had is that we now understand that if a man finds out that he is with a trans woman... The only acceptable reaction is violence and disgust. And so this is sort of the first time that we mm-hmm. really see a man like running to the toilet and throwing up because he's so grossed out by a trans person's body.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's it's so bad. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Jen had discussed that. How would she feel if there weren't that depiction of trans people when she was growing up? And she's like, on the one hand, I might have grown up thinking I wasn't monstrous. I wasn't disgusting. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they tell trans women they are. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, she might not have known she was trans if she never saw that depicted at all. So I'm not sure which is worse, but it's a disgusting representation. Not of trans women, but of the reaction of men. It's a disgusting representation of men, again, is what I should say.
1: Right, because it's really all about them and what they want and what they can handle, which is shockingly light you know not a whole lot so there's a huge ripple effect caused by this depiction this is at a point where we talk about ace ventura which zeke mentions was his favorite movie as a kid i also loved this movie when i was younger and i've watched it with my kids and i guess i just blocked out the ending of it which is terrible because it's really going back to Ace Ventura, the character, has romantic contact with a trans woman and is so grossed out that he has this giant montage where he's, like, can't brush his teeth enough. He's thrown up in the toilet. He's in the shower crying. And
0: it's just uh, mm-hmm. really over the top. So, But then at the end, it's his duty to out her. Yeah. To everybody. Yeah. By undressing her, essentially. Which is completely aggressive, right? Yes. Like ripping
1: her clothes off.
0: Which, you know, you see multiple times and it's not okay. I mean, you see in Nip Talk, they talk about Vanky Jansen, who was playing a trans woman, essentially gets raped. And then in the process, he realizes she's a man, is what he says, and walks off. And like, oh, he's just... I'm like, she said no she didn't want it. I mean, it starts off kissing, but then she clearly is against it. And he was like, nope. This well, is what he actually says, get. oh, do you want to be
1: conquered? And so <sighs> yeah. So again, reinforcing to men that, you know, you just need to try harder when she says no. And then you know, mm-hmm. he figures out uh, what they say in the documentary. I, I don't remember this part of Nip Talk, but again, I wasn't you know, I was just an infrequent flyer here that he can tell that she's a man because her vagina isn't deep enough. Like it's too shallow. And obviously, as a surgeon, he would know that. And I challenge you, writers of that episode, because as a scientist, I am frequently <laughs> tasked with knowing every bit of science. And as a surgeon, you know, does that make sense for him to know
0: everything about surgery well also not deep enough are you kidding me as a woman who has had a hysterectomy and now has a closed system as Mm -hmm. it were am i now considered a trans woman because it's not deep enough or whatever for your big giant penis i don't know it's just the worst ever to hear that as the justification
1: right so when you challenge it a little bit it's just asinine so
0: -hmm. most of it is a
1: hundred percent So in contrast to some of that bullshit, can we talk about Bugs Bunny? Can we please? Susan,
0: our historian, talks about it. Yeah.
1: Right. So this is a mostly positive exchange between Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. And it's sort of a little opera scene where Mm -hmm. Bugs Bunny is a lady bunny. I don't know what else to say. She's playing Brunhilde. A lady Bunny. Right? She's a lady. <laughs> yes. And Elmer Fudd is yeah. basically Elmer Fudd, but he's dressed up a little differently. But he's like, Oh Brunhilda, you're so lovely. And she said, Yes, I know it. I can't help it. So here's a trans person being depicted as desirable and, mm-hmm. you know, confident and all the things that we don't often see. And it's super cute. And I love that one. From childhood also because I just like I love the horse. I I love the Scenery. I love the
0: music. It's (laughs) super cute. So it is very Cute. The horse might be my favorite. Mine Too. Yes. I was going to talk About Hairspray. Paris is Burning Hairspray. I was going to say in Hairspray we see Divine Who is a trans woman Playing a cis woman Which was super fun And I love the fact that she pulled it off and, And they cast her that way
1: Yeah I think that's one one instance of depicting somebody that's been successful, like an older, you know, elder queer is what they say kind of in this. Like, I don't think Divine was particularly old in this situation, but you don't see a lot of portrayal of people that have moved on from, you know, young adulthood, basically. You don't see any depiction of that. No, you don't. So then we kind of move into... Paris is burning and what a big splash that it made because there were no depictions of trans women of color. And a lot of the different commentators here talk about, you know, initially watching it and their are beautiful, beautiful people on screen. And then later, mm-hmm. when you watch it again, you understand that there's a lot of nuance that these women lived through. And how a lot of people began to see themselves depicted as like, you know, regular trans people living in New York city.
0: Yeah. I liked how a lot of them said that they just saw it and wanted that kind of family, right. Mm -hmm. That the house is represented. And also one thing that I thought was really interesting was Marquis said he discovered ballroom in 1995. And what you don't see very much in Paris is burning and just the representation of the ball scene is trans men. They're, mostly depicting trans women but trans men were actually pretty active in that scene as well mm-hmm. but there wasn't a whole lot of language for it right right i liked that
1: sandra talked about that she had been in the house of Labeja. beja
0: la beja right? i know that made me so happy to hear right so
1: she was um i mean most notably probably pepper la beja. Is featured really a lot in Paris is Burning. But Sandra felt like she had to make a choice. Either she kind of stuck with the family and lived on with that narrative of her life. Or she chose to, quote e Fingers, be real and move into um, acting in a way that she was in stealth and she
0: hid her transness. Yeah. Being an actress as just a woman. Right. Yes. Right. She talks about it later, how terrifying, because every day you're afraid that someone's going to find out every day. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how terrifying that is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I do think it's interesting because they talk about how much ballroom culture has been appropriated over time. I think one common thing that is still going to resonate with people is Madonna's Vogue that that came from ballroom culture and like think Willie Ninja, who was actually just, um, on the Google doodle a couple days ago, which was super exciting to see. Um, but you know, I don't know that she didn't credit where she got that from, but I think that that was lost in kind of popular culture. So there was a lot of, um, when when we watched Paris is Burning, they talked a lot about... It was hard because they were really excited to see something like that having made a bigger impact with Madonna's star power, right? But also, like, it really sucked because it was theirs. And people
0: didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Right. and uh, People didn't want to know, right? They just saw it. They liked it. They could move on. So... So, we talked about Candace Kane earlier, but her first episode of dirty sexy money she was it was this was what 2007 i think she was like the first actress as a trans woman to be out and famous and acting as a trans right. woman which was not a thing no and she's Ugh. stunning all these people look amazing by the way it's probably why they're in the industry it's why i can never <laughs> be in the industry because dear god i have a face for podcasting so She was so excited. Her first episode of Dirty Sexy Money, she gathered all her friends, and they're watching it, and her first line, they lowered her voice like two octaves. Now, they didn't do it for the whole, uh, like, everything Mm -hmm. she was in. It was just initially, so people watching would know that she was trans. I thought, that's some shady shit, dude. Right, and
1: she, yeah, had a big party, and was all excited about it, and then... They didn't tell her, (laughs) which is shitty. right? And so all of her friends were like, oh, so I can't imagine the humiliation that would have accompanied Mm -hmm. like all your excitement. But then you have to be squished down and put back in your box and me to feel, you know, like we really have to emphasize we don't want people getting the wrong impression that you are just, you know, a lovely
0: woman. Just a stunning woman. Right. Yeah. Yeah, No, we can't have that. In 2011, Chaz Bono does the documentary Becoming Chaz. This is Cher's trans son, Um, Cher and Sonny Bono, which is where he gets the last name. He says he didn't transition until 2009. I think what is heartbreaking is one of the things he had thought about before transitioning was faking his own death so he could transition without anybody knowing. Because he was afraid of how people would react. And I don't know that he was necessarily afraid of his family, which he might have been, but I can't imagine with Cher as your mom that you would be worried about that. But I imagine with Cher as your mom being very public as a figure, how would that work, right? How would the representation, I mean, would there be more of a spotlight? Would that be mm-hmm. negative? That would be hard.
1: Well, I mean, I I remember hearing... That he was trans and people not understanding it back in the day, right? This mm-hmm. was not... Right. I mean, it made its way all, all the way to my little corner of the country. And people being dicks about it.
0: Yeah. I also think... And and I asked those that, that were being dicks about it, what effect does this have on your life? None. No effect. Just right.
1: Saying. I think the same thing happened with Caitlyn Jenner when she transitioned. I think that was really hard for Americans because she had been a famous Olympic athlete. Like, the epitome of maleness. Now wants to be a a female. A
0: decathlon or something, right? Jesus, something crazy like that.
1: Right. And so, why would you give up that to become a woman? I don't know. It's just, I'm not a Kardashian lover by any means, but... It was really hard to watch. Watch her get beaten down by the public? Yeah. Yes. The way that she was treated and whether or not you agree with her politics or not is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You know, she should be able to live an authentic
0: life. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They do discuss that a little bit of it. She had a show that I was not aware of that was a reality show with her and other trans women called I Am Kate, right? Mm -hmm. And these other trans women are like, this is not necessarily just about Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. This is about all of us having a conversation and having a voice, even if you don't like her views, Mm -hmm. because her views are still rooted in being a rich white man, essentially. Yeah. Which is impressive. So I don't know that any other trans women (laughs) agree with her views, but she has the right to be who she wants to be. You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that there was some good that came of that show because it did focus on other people. Mm -hmm. There was also a show called Transparent that seemed to have the same. Yes. I did not watch that show. I didn't either. I don't have really any details about it, but this was something that some of the uh, commentators here mentioned as being a place of acceptance and some of that kind of stuff. Right. So it was written by trans people um there was a lot of trans perspective that was in that show
0: which was really good yes but i will say that jeffrey tamber who's the main character is a i believe a cishet man playing a trans woman and he won an emmy for it so again we see that cycle of did anyone else win emmys or awards for it or just him but also Tracy Lissette, who we discussed a little bit earlier as an actress, she came forward about being sexually harassed by him on the set, which is so fucking unfortunate. Like, listen, you are surrounded by these people. They're giving you this opportunity to portray this character, and which obviously did wonders for him, and you're going to abuse them this way. The fucking audacity.
1: Well, and Tracy talks about, look, I'm used to being mistreated. If you're a trans person, especially in the public view, that's not unheard of, but I also think they were in a, a place in a position of saying, we're not taking it anymore, so we are going to come forward and, you know, tell our
0: truth and- And speak out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Girl, copy that. I, I can't imagine. As a woman, we get harassed enough, so add the trans to it, and it's just exponentially worse. I cannot fucking imagine. I'm going to real quick go back to I am Kate because Jen talked about a scene where parents were talking to trans people about their trans kids, right? Mm -hmm. So these are parents trying to do better who are trying to learn. and, And it's a really strong episode. And there's this one dad who was just like, pumped. He's like, listen, your trans kid, you've got a unicorn. There's so few of them. And this, this cat's amazing. You so lucky to have this kid. It was just such a supportive statement watching Jen, watch it or talk about it. I cried. I fucking cried because she had to live with her mom, not supporting her saying, I'm never going to call you Jen because Jen murdered my son um she had to live with her friends not allowing her to come see their children because she's now trans mm-hmm. and things like that and she'd been and in she their thought wedding. that's just how it was supposed to be yeah yeah, yeah they like were close friends mm-hmm. but she thought that's how it was until she saw that oh i can be accepted this this dad was more than accepting of his child mm-hmm. and so she was just heartbroken watching that knowing that why couldn't my friends and family be accepting of me and supporting of me. And it, it broke my heart.
1: Yeah. I mean, the lack of acceptance from the people closest to you um, is something I've never had to experience to that degree. So um...
0: yeah. And she blames herself. And so she's still not gotten to that place because she's blaming herself more than them when I don't feel like she did anything wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the whole
1: story, but yeah, she didn't know she could ask for more. Right. She was, she was accepting of crumbs and she didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. And
0: she says she's never even loved herself as much as that father loved that child. Mm -hmm. So um, I hope she learned from it and she expects more from people now. And I hope she gets more. Yeah. She deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you went back to that because, that
1: man offers such a lovely perspective. And that's really cool.
0: That's how it should be, guys. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. You should celebrate your children. Yeah. Unless they're lazy gets like mine. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, just as a general rule. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Pose? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pose came out when did that come out? Just a few years back, right? I have 2018. So a few years back. Yeah. And I feel like that was based off of Paris is Burning and that mm-hmm. um, I never saw the show pose, but it looked like it was very much based off of the houses mm-hmm. and the ballroom. Sure. Scene.
1: So I think that even here we see that this is got a lot of trans people in the production, like writing, directing, um, consulting, producing all of those kinds of things. And it does a much better job. I don't think it's necessarily easy. I think there's a lot of difficult topics that they cover. And I know a couple of people specifically called out that Ryan Murphy had been part of Nip Tuck, which we talked about earlier, being on the wrong side of representation. Um, but now he was part of this show and it has been better. So people can evolve and you don't have to be defined by who you used to be and how you used to feel about it. You can grow and be like a whole real person. So good stuff
0: yeah can we talk about sandra who finally gets outed by the new york times right so that part was unfortunate we don't out people yep yeah no we don't which was terrifying for her but she said once she was outed she started having meetings with like nbc and abc and fox and so it really worked for her and her mom felt a little bit Better, like okay, you're safe now. Yeah, she's like, well, calm down. It's not quite that (laughs) that much different, but her career wasn't over, so that's one step in the right direction. Yeah, so kind of at the end here,
1: we've seen that it's evolving over time. Trans representation is reaching people in a new way. Maybe it's not so scary to see a trans character with empathy, and like possibly even have empathy for the actor that plays them. So that feels good. It feels like we're moving in the right direction. Hopefully that kind of energy and good feeling translates to helping with uh, policy making and legislation that doesn't negatively impact transgender folks. Because it's cool to see evolution on the screen, but what we really need is for people to take action
0: outside of that and support
1: trans people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because this legislation that people, the different states are passing, is going to affect a lot of people. And it's not okay. I mean, it's negatively going to affect people. It's horrific. It really is. I think, um, let them live. Right? Let them live their fucking lives. It has no effect on your fucking life, what these people do. Right.
1: We have had, in this country... Moral panic after moral panic after moral panic. And people refuse to look back and see, like, oh, this is just the latest version of, you know, the fear that we assign to a group, right? They're not grooming your fucking kids. It's fine. And so I don't know what else to say. It's just so extremely frustrating to see a marginalized group further bullied. Prosecuted. Yes.
0: Persecuted even and sometimes prosecuted, I'm sure. I think yeah. Wanda Sykes said it best recently. She said something along the lines of, until I see a drag queen walk into an elementary school and kill someone with a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird, we're fucking focusing on the wrong things. 100%. 100%. Yes, thank you. So I will end this by saying, this is a great documentary. These are amazing people um, living their lives and showing us how to be better. So let's listen. Let's all watch it. And let's do better. I agree. Let's do better. Do
1: you have an honorary Aaron that you wanted to mention today? I did.
0: I think we should be able to make all trans people honorary errands just because they're pretty fucking awesome. But right I can't say that I'm quite that awesome. So <laughs> we'll let them live in their own amazing category for this week. I'll say. Susan Stryker because she was the historian and I've always wanted to be a historian deep down. And so I'm living vicariously through her if that's okay. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be my honorary Erin for the week. Right.
1: I'm going to go with the obvious choice and just pick Laverne because she was heavily featured in this documentary. And I think that she, I don't know, is such a great ambassador. She really. I think is. she feels the gravitas of the station to which she was chosen to be right, so um, she may be the only person that people know as trans, and she's killing it. So, yes,
0: yeah, she's so eloquent and so well spoken, and just you're right, just an amazing ambassador. Yeah, so amazing. I don't know. There's just
1: not really a better way to say it. She's just she's carrying a lot of weight, and I appreciate that.
0: Yep, and I appreciate that she and the rest of everyone who's in this documentary are sharing themselves mm-hmm. with us, right? Because it's scary to do to be out and we haven't proven that we're trustworthy. Right. So I appreciate them sharing themselves with us. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about next week? Oh my gosh. Can we,
1: cause I'm going to get so pissed next week. You guys, I'm just, I'm already fired up. I know I'm like going into it with a lot of trepidation. Like, um, I might have to take a breather, or walk away. Um, I'm planning on that now. So we're going to do pray away on Netflix, an hour and 41 minutes, I think. Um, This was released in 2021. And this is a documentary that discusses conversion therapy. And I'm assuming the harm that it does, but I think that it's kind of a overarching view of what it is and how it's been mistaken as a cure for being gay, which it doesn't need to be cured. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Yep. I get so angry every time I think about it.
1: I like to say that at one point we were persecuted left-hand people. <laughs> now that's not a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we got better. So it's possible to to
0: change these viewpoints. Yeah, I know. I would like to think it's possible, but we're moving backwards, unfortunately. So yes. Super stupid. Let's move forward, guys. Let's move forward. All right.
1: Okay. So you guys can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe. We would take comments. We'll take suggestions. Hopefully you know, you found a home here. I don't know. So, uh, let us know and, uh, we'll talk next week. Yep.
0: Thanks guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.